approached near uh, to be a guest on design grid i just had one thing in mind that i wanted to bring out his experience as the founder of haiku jam for anyone who's ever interacted or come across this platform you'd be wildly intrigued by what it offers well our conversation did not just limit itself to that and i was extremely extremely surprised by the way it unfolded we spoke about everything right from startups to forbes 30 under 30 definitely haiku jam all the way until rihana this is one of my most amazing episodes and i guarantee you're bound to share it with at least one person in your circle who you feel would resonate with everything that we've spoken here is neel sharma ex founder of haiku jam on design grid Neer, firstly, uh, I am extremely excited about this conversation. So, thank you so much for being for agreeing to be a part of Design Grid. Uh, you're you're giving me off a very entrepreneurial vibe right now, and and that's something I'm thriving on. Is it the hoodie? <laughs> it's, it's just it's just the entire demeanor. It's just amazing because uh, uh, because I love these sort of conversations. They, uh, I feel they they're so much more fluid than. Uh, uh then talking to people who have had tons of years of experience uh because this is where uh, a lot of uh, dynamism of where the world is heading uh, sort of comes out right so mm-hmm. uh, i'm i'm extremely excited and uh, glad you agreed to be on design grid uh just kind of for everyone to get a little more insight of who you are uh just just take us through a little bit of your journey the highlights of what you think uh the world should know yeah sure um so my name is neer obviously um i i kind of studied economics in university um uh, my intention was to basically go into civil service um public policy work and possibly politics like later on in life and ever since i've been extremely distracted by a number of other things um so um so i went into investment banking firstly outside of university and i worked in uh, mergers and acquisitions at a company called rothschild in london and after 2 years i made a very uh, kind of uh, different turn where i started a company called haiku jam with two of my college friends and haiku jam is a social writing game where strangers write poems together um we started that in the uk uh nobody used it in the uk um but it randomly started growing in india and the philippines um so um you know we essentially moved to india we raised now i think 4.5 million dollars from uh social capital uh lightbox ventures and a few other kind of angels and vcs and yeah we really kind of built out this community of over a million people who loved writing together being creative expressing themselves having this kind of positive um social space and um yeah we kind of built that out i figured out a way to monetize it uh late last year well early last year i decided to take a step back and kind of think about okay what is it that i want to do next and um just think about the world again covid hit 
put plans on a little bit of a pause. Um, but right now, basically in the process of thinking about, you know, what I want to do next, um, doing a lot of like small side projects, consulting, advisory work for early stage startups, just as I go through the process of, of figuring out, um, yeah, what, what I want to build in the future. So that's probably the, the, the quick, the quickest I can digest things. Yes, absolutely. I think, uh, there's, there's a lot that you touched upon to the past minute or so. And, uh, and I'm going to dive into each of them individually. Uh, but for any entrepreneur who's watching this, uh, and uh, this is the time that you catch hold of Neil to bounce off your ideas, I feel. Uh, this is this is the time that he's most available. And uh, you <laughs> might just sign him up as an advisor or as a mentor, perhaps. So, uh, great. So, uh, getting back to where, where it all started from, right? Uh, the journey, what? What made you take the leap into into entrepreneurship from from being in investment banking? It was very mission driven. Um, as in, I I was not really uh, I I didn't come from an environment or neither lived in an environment where kind of entrepreneurship was discussed, mentioned. You know, was ever kind of this option to to just do in life? Like, I just didn't know about it. I just thought there were jobs in the world. You know, I didn't really think <laughs> beyond that. Yeah. I, I didn't. Who was kind of like those jobs? Um, so uh, I, it was very much. You know, um, we were thinking. Me and my two college friends were thinking a lot about how um, social media had confused, you know, ease of contact with depth of connection. Um, We were thinking a lot about how, you know, kind of the big social media platforms were kind of sucking up a lot of our time, but weren't necessarily making us feel happy, connected, feel like a sense, you know, feel like we belonged anywhere. Um, So that was kind of the first opening, which was, you know, there's something wrong here where a big portion of our generation are spending a lot of time doing something that doesn't make them happy. And that, that to us kind of felt, wrong. Like there's a state of the world that is, you know, Im- imbalanced. Um, so, you know, we, we can, we're kind of thinking a lot about, um, you know, what can we do? What should we do? Um, and we just kind of landed on a few kind of like pillars upon which to build. And the things we were thinking about were, you know, how do we create a platform that, um, that kind of promotes creation instead of like passive consumption. So we wanted to create an experience where you're doing something as opposed to just having things done being shown to you. Um, The other things we were thinking about were, you know, how do we create a space where, you know, you're not constrained by your social graph. So, you know, it's not just kind of doing things for your friends or the people that you know, but actually like opening up the world and and connecting you to people that you don't know because, that for us was the much more interesting and magical aspect of the world, not like the people that we just happen to kind of know and be born, you know, with and the people we went to school with, but it's the people that, you know, you know, right now, like if it wasn't for the internet, us two would never have met, you know, there wouldn't have been a problem for a conversation. And that to me is, is the magic of the internet. And we really want to kind of capture the magic of the internet and put it in a product and build a product around that. Um, so, you know, we, we basically landed on this idea of haiku jam, which was essentially like write a few words about what you're feeling and like other people in the world will write with you. And what the kind of job was, was, okay, we're just going to make creating like really easy. Like all you, like if you can type a WhatsApp message, you can write a few words about how you feel and then we'll take care of the rest. Like as a platform, we'll connect you to the stranger. That stranger will also write with you. And then, you know, that will be kind of it. And that that's just the and that context. Of- a connect. Exactly. And, and I think like, you know, we 
So we started that as I was working in investment banking, we kind of started that, um, you know, we started the work on that. Um, and you got to a point where we launched and it was like, okay, like what am I more excited in by life right now? Like, am I excited about being an investment banker, you know, going through the ranks? Like, is that what I want my life to be defined by? Or do I want my life to be defined by this thing that I've been working on that's having already a positive impact in people's lives and has the potential to be, you know, a lot more impactful. Like for me, it was a no brainer. Like I really didn't feel like a big decision. It was just like, yeah, cool. Like, um, you you know, it just made all the sense to just go all in on like naturally gravitated out of, out of a job in that sense. Yeah. And it it really wasn't, it it feels like it should have been a decision that was a lot more kind of, um, you know, calculated a lot more heavy, but really it it wasn't, it it just, it got to a point where it just made like, it would, it didn't make any sense to stay in, in, in the job. Um, so yeah, it it was very, it felt right. It felt fluid. So, uh, was uh, what was what was your role specifically within Haiku Jam? What were the things uh, that you took care of uh, within the business? Yeah, so to begin with, I was very much focused around growth and community side of things. Um, and you know, one of the one of the kind of like defining features of the platform we built was there was this extremely strong sense of community, like from the very very beginning. Like community was baked into the DNA of the product. It wasn't this like external add-on. Um, so, you know, early stage in the company, like users literally had our WhatsApp numbers and we were pinging ideas to them. They were pinging ideas to us. Like there was this very like fluid conversation as we were kind of building up the product. Um, so, you know, at the beginning stage, it was kind of that focused around how we grow this product, how we kind of get the product in the right people's hands. And then eventually just kind of transitioned into leading the consumer product, um, which was just the app and, and, you know, how should we build this app to, to just, you know, make, make a magical experience for anyone who kind of comes into it. So yeah, the, the product side of things I kind of ended up leading for the last like one year and a half, I think. Interesting. And, uh, at, at what was that point, uh, what was that, what was that phase in the journey, uh, that you got onto the Forbes list and what did that mean to you? Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting because, so we got onto the Forbes list, um, basically as I was just about to step down from the company, as I was about to, as I was about to leave. Um, so literally like we got onto the Forbes list and two weeks later, um, three weeks later, I kind of announced my, my notice as well. And my, my kind of stepping down, which was, um, just an interesting, an, an interesting kind of timing. Um, but it's funny because, I think like when I was 18, like one of the things I'd written for myself about what I want to do or like one of the achievements was like, I want to be like 30 under 30. And I didn't really know what that meant, but the very kind of encapsulation of being someone who achieves something big before the age of 30, like that was very much a guiding life for me. Like I wanted to be, I was in a rush. Like I was in a rush with life. Like I wanted, like I didn't want to do the whole like, you know, just keep slowly, slowly building. It was like, okay, I want to go all in and I want to like do big things like very, very quickly. So it was amazing in the sense, like there was this kind of full circle where, okay, cool. Like we actually did it. Like I was, I was 28 when we achieved it and I was on the list and it was like amazing. Equally at the very same time, um, you know, it, it felt like nothing too. Like as in it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Like it means nothing. Um, like, and, and I think, 
And I think that was, um, you know, it, it, it just, I think that's kind of like one of the learnings as you kind of go through your, your twenties is like the vanity kind of metrics, the vanity measures of achievement are, are really empty. They're, they're kind of like candy, they're kind of empty calories. And, um, it's really about like for me the big sense of achievement was not the Forbes 30 under 30 it means nothing like what really was the meaning for me was when um I got messages from users saying hey this chain this literally has changed my life like I was depressed and I used this product and this made me feel so much better so much more connected so much more like able and open to express myself like that is literally the thing where you know on my deathbed I'll be thinking about those kinds of moments and not really thinking about, you know, Forbes 30 under 30. Um, and I, and I think that's a really big, like, um, I, I, I think, you know, just going forward now, like that's also a really big lesson that, I, that I'm taking. It's really like, how do you stick to the, the kind of like fundamentals of what you're doing? Like, are you building something that has an impact? Are you fulfilled by what you're building? And I think like, one of the one of the dangers over the last like decade, and I think even now going forward with entrepreneurship is still this um, you know kind of chasing the trophies, right? Like chasing that TechCrunch article with like fundraising for your startup, um, you know, like chasing I don't know like a Forbes thirty under thirty award, whatever it is. Like um, there's a lot of empty things that do not have any correlation with like success or impact, and I think it's very easy to be distracted by. Um, that path of like vanity metrics and trophies, as opposed to just obsessing about making something that's right for the user and making something that makes you feel good and does good for the world. And um, I think like, yeah, definitely, you know, one big learning. And and if, if I were to give like one piece of <laughs> advice to anyone going through that journey again, is like, do not get distracted by um, things like that because they just, they don't mean anything. I think I think it's it's also about you having traveled through that journey, uh, reached that vanity destination of the way you're calling it, to have realized that uh, it didn't really mean as much as I thought it would. And what really right. means to me is what gets me out of bed every single morning. And it's not being mentioned on Forbes. But, uh, but, exactly. but again, you know, uh, just to take a step back here, uh, do you think that uh, that as vanity as they may sound, the metrics like these or mentions or awards like these, uh, do they help you on the business side of it? Does it help sail through much easily with investors? Are you are you more easily recognized? And perhaps not just with what you're doing, but what also you want to do from here on? Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. And the uncomfortable truth is that it's probably a yes. Um, it, it, does, it does buy a sense of, um, you know, suddenly... Uh, and it's, I was having this conversation with a friend uh, the other day, just around how before that moment and after that moment, nothing had changed about me. Like I was literally yeah. the same person, right. out of thinking, out right. of expressing myself. But then suddenly, you know, people start to look at what you say with a little bit more authority, and sure. people start, to, you know, just think there's maybe something <laughs> in, in what you're saying, which is, um, which is great. In, in you know from a kind of personal ego egotistical sense, um, but doesn't very bear doesn't bear that much. Um, it it from a kind of world perspective, it's not a great way for us to kind of like structure a, a society where um, you know the kind of I don't know these these you can very much see why um, when people become you know 
big and they have all of these um these kind of like trophy wins and um you know suddenly their opinions are taken a lot more seriously and you know then you even start to get people who just kind of like agree with everything that you say um you know it, it doesn't lead to like you know you get people becoming more and more powerful being less and less accountable and being less like kept in check and i think you know that that's a disease that doesn't just exist in like the technology space but yeah. exists across like every single domain where where there is like a hierarchy and uh, and kind of like power accumulating across a small percentage of people so um yeah not i'm not putting myself in that bracket but more just like so. you see how by extension it ends up becoming uh, that. So, so yeah, it, it did. It did make it easier. Conversations happened. Uh, people, you know, I when I'd reach out to people, like people would respond. Um, I, I think, it, yeah, it's it's difficult to say that um, to, to argue against that. I think I think you mature as an entrepreneur in the journey uh, in due course. You start off, uh, you know, uh, like you said, uh, the eighteen-year-old Jude would always want that uh, against your name. And that's how entrepreneurship is, right? It, it starts off in its infancy where you want absolutely everything that the world is chasing and, and all you're looking up to is, uh, who you're looking up to are people like like an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos. But, uh, but, but in due course, you realize uh, what you stand for and where you gravitate and what kind of impact do you want to make. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of the journey because somewhere there's this, there's this, there's this, light bulb moment that you realize that let me just take a break i am not really chasing a destination i want to enjoy the journey and i want to make some impact along the way i think i, I think that that's that speaks volumes of uh, the way you articulated uh, everything through uh, how you looked at uh, you know the the business lens of haiku jam so uh, just uh, out of curiosity uh, how, how big how big is how how big was the team uh, uh, at haiku jam and and how easy was it to uh, bring that together? And uh, you know, what was the sort of culture that y'all uh, imported? Yeah, it's it's a really um, so <clears throat> we as a team we're kind of like uh, I think it was 17, 18 people when I left. Um, so you know, relatively small. Um, and in terms of culture, it's a it's a really interesting question. I mean, um, as a culture, we really like prize autonomy we prized, um, you know, creativity. We prized people just doing things like not debate, but like really debate for like the best idea and definitely a culture of experimentation. Like that became really, really big and integral to, to the product is, is, you know, no one, none of us have the right answers, but, um, Hey, like if, if there's something which is interesting, let's like figure out a way to easily experiment around that and, and like test it. And I think, you know, that was, that probably became the most defining aspect of the culture. Um, when I left like that, that was definitely kind of baked in, um, to the company's DNA. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, when I, when I started, um, you know, when we started the team and we started hiring people, um, we just, I didn't think, or at least I definitely wasn't thinking too intensely about culture. Uh, and I think this is kind of, um, probably again, one of the things that I'd be doing differently kind of um, next time around is being a lot more intentional about even just thinking about like as a, as a leader, like how, you know, the way that you act, the way that you behave aspects of your personality, they really do kind of bleed through um, to the rest of the company in, in good ways and bad ways. And, you know, there are, I think one of the things that I've probably learned as well is that like, I'm not a great manager. Like I'm just not 
a great manager. In, You'd rather in, be in the, someone who go down the trenches and do it yourself. Um, I, I'm very much kind of like autonomous, small unit of people um, who um, will, you know, just kind of go after whatever it is that we need to go after. Um, so, you know, for me, that means hiring a very kind of specific type of person. Um, and, um, that also means that like people who are motivated by very similar things, like, um, you know, motivated by, um, just motivated by like uncovering truths in the world and knowing that like, we don't know anything, but like, let's figure out a way to know something. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I think that's probably one of the big things that I learned about myself in the process is that. I'm not very, very good as a broad kind of like people manager. Like that's just not where it's neither where I get my buzz and it's not where I perform exceptionally well. Um, where I'm very good is like a nimble unit of, of people that need to like do something and do something big and figure out a way to like make it happen quickly. And that's kind of like where I come into my own. And, and But that requires a very specific hiring of person. And that's something which you know, I didn't know, like, I, I just didn't know. I didn't think about, um, I didn't think about hiring in that context. Um, I didn't even think too much about what impact my personality has on the way that other people kind of work. Um, so, you know, a, a big learning and, and, um, and definitely something which, you know, going forward in the next kind of venture, like that's something I, I, I definitely want to be kind of way more mindful of because yeah, I mean, you know, things have got to work both ways, right? Like, um, you know, you've got to find the right people who are going to work, you know, with you on this company, on this mission. And equally, like people need to get something out of that. And people want to be happy. People want to be like productive. People want to be motivated. Um, and some people just like different types of environments. And um, I, I think like being a lot intentional and transparent and also just like empathetic about what that context is, 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 is definitely a good sign and a, a good thing to do. And it's something that I definitely didn't do enough of um, kind of going through that, that beginning phase of like being a first time, uh, you know, kind of entrepreneur, um, not really thinking too much about like culture, but just trying to figure out like a bigger problem and bringing people into the mix to like try to do that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting, an interesting kind of problem. You, you've been, you've been in the helm of, uh, building communities, right? So is there, and, and today businesses, brands, uh, internal teams are all talking about building strong communities. Is there, uh, is there a hack or are there three things that you would recommend or tell people of this is what you need to focus on and everything else is vanity for you? Yeah, it, it, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, I don't think there's a hack. First of all, like I don't, I don't think there's a a quick shortcut to building a community. Um, I think, I think it really does have to be baked into the DNA of the product and what you're building. And I think like one thing is understanding just what the values are of the people that you want in this community. Like I think communities really need to be like the the shared values are like the glue for a community. And I think like a lot of time you know, when, when people are talking about community right now, they're thinking a community, you know, they're thinking about community as a hack, actually. They're thinking about community as a growth hack, pension hack, um, as opposed to like building a community because it makes a lot of sense for the people who you want the community to be built around. Like, um, 
you know, there are lots of products that don't necessarily have a sense of community, but are extremely successful products. And they, and they kind of feed, you know, that they, they do wonders for the users. And equally, there are a lot of products that aren't much more than a community, but, you know, there is just this amazing community that is formed by this shared value, shared mission, um, this kind of like shared space that, that, you know, end up having this transformative impact on, on quite a simple idea. Um, so I think when it comes to like building a community, I, I think the first question is like, why are you building the community that, that isn't tied to a business metric? Like, does it make sense? And, and this is where it kind of needs to be empathetic as, as, a, as, a, as a business leader, because you need to put yourself in the shoes of, you know, the person who the user, like the person who you actually want to join the community. Like if you were in their shoes, would you join this community and why? Um, and I think this is kind of where... A lot of and communities not, just and not just pushing out your agenda of in terms of why you want to do this. Exactly, and um, and I think you know a lot of um, look. People are busy. People are people are busy. People have got conflicting demands. People have um, you know so many responsibilities, and to join another community, um, like it needs to be a damn good reason for someone to to want to invest time and space into this and. You know, for us at Hyperjam, it was extremely easy for us to, to do that. Like the community just fell out of whatever we built because the product was something where there was aspiration tied into it, there was emotion tied into it, there were, you know, like strangers already kind of meeting in the product itself. So it just became extremely easy. Uh, and it wasn't a very intentional kind of like decision that was like, okay, cool guys, we need to build a community now. Um, did you, did you I have think, to keep communicating? You just you speak about shared values so highly. You did you have to keep communicating that these are my shared values, or were they more were they more felt by people uh, who were users of the community? Um, it was definitely felt by users, and it was also you know once we really and this was a process in and of itself, but once we began to understand what value people were actually getting out of the product. That's kind of when we started to really make that value like bleed through the whole of the products, like end to end. Um, you know, like one one kind of example um, that that I like to bring up is you know people really um, when when we ask people like what do you actually get out of Haiku Jam? Like what is that one thing that that you just love about Haiku Jam? And the the thing that came up was uh, you know just being able to express yourself. Um, and the nuance and expression is, is really interesting because when we used to think about it, we used to think about, is it the ability to write poems? Is it the ability to be creative? Is it, you know, is it the ability to meet someone? But actually, like expression is a very interesting, like specific um, lane that is really different to everything like before that I just mentioned. And expression is the idea of like feeling something and turning that like turning that feeling inward and putting it outward and, you know, someone acknowledging that thing that you felt. Um, and, you know, the expression is less about an activity and more about a process of like feeling something and being heard. So, you know, for us, it was like, okay, like how do we keep delivering on that feeling that everything that you think and feel is important and worthy of being acknowledged by someone in the world? Like how do we design for it? How do we, how do we make people feel good about that process? Um, so, you know, I think like once you begin to understand the values of your users, you know, you don't necessarily need to keep like hitting a message in terms of, you know, just bombarding like WhatsApp messages and, and be like, hey, you know, we are Hikajam believe X, Y, and Z. Um, but I think you begin to let that bleed into every A, like every touch point of the app. And B, when you're even thinking about new features, 
you're thinking about those features from the context of does this deliver on the value that a user gets out of this app? And, and that becomes the prism through which you begin to even assess like product decisions. Like, is this helping people achieve what they want to achieve from this product? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I understand. So uh, you, uh, if there was, if you were to look back, uh, if there are three things that stand out or two things that stand out that you think should have been done differently uh, as a business or as an entrepreneur, uh, what would that be? Yeah, so the first thing is definitely um, the process of experimentation and experimentation as a core kind of operational DNA is something that I, like if I could go back, I would have made that happen from the very beginning. Um, and I think we kind of only instituted that like quite late on into my kind of process. Um, but when we did in, when we did bring it in, it was transformative in terms of like impact, in terms of product, in terms of business metrics, in terms of like what we're even doing as a, as a company, like how do we make money, all of those kinds of things. Um, and I think from the, from the beginning, we, were, we just didn't have that baked into our DNA. We didn't have that as a, as a kind of way of operating. And what that meant was, you know, we were slow. Um, it also meant that we were kind of operating from a space of, you know, what we thought the truth is and just kind of like putting that into a product form as opposed to saying to ourselves, hey, we don't actually know what the truth is, um, but why don't we put out some ways of like trying to discover the truth like quickly? Um, so I think that's probably the big, big thing that I, I would definitely kind of um, take away from that. Um, it's just like speed of, of experimenting and, and grounding that. Um, I think a few other things, like second thing is definitely, like I mentioned earlier around... Um, around being a lot more intentional about uh, the company culture that you want to form and create. I think that's something that my, my co-founders did very well, but I, I didn't do as well. Um, like I, I just didn't think about it as, as an intentional kind of, kind of thing. Um, and probably the, the third thing is, um, the third thing is probably. Um, if, if it's getting too hard for you to think, I don't think it's, it's, uh, it's top of your mind. So uh, we, we stick to two. We stick to two because they're, they're powerful enough. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they're powerful enough. So, uh, you know, uh, you, you've been involved in building a very anti-social network product that's yet socially thriving, right? So yeah. it's like an alternate universe of what happens or the, uh, in or around the algorithms of social media. Uh, what do you think? Where do you think are we headed overall uh, in terms of everyone trying to chase social metrics of uh, recognition, uh, wanting to get discovered, uh, you know, where is where is that heading according to you? Yeah, that's a. Re I mean, a I really love the, the characterization of an anti-social social network, and that that's exactly the kind of things that that we talked a lot about is you know building a space where it's not around your social graph, and even you know building a yeah. space where introverts can thrive. Like I think yeah. a lot of social media platforms are kind of built around extroversion. And I think that ends up kind of leading to, um, you know, kind of a sense of performativeness, um, in, in, in the interactions and, and ultimately kind of breaks down, um, a sense of like authenticity and, and like, and trust and, and connection. So I, I really love that in terms of like 
you know, where, where I see kind of social going in the future, um, it's a really great question. So I think, you know, one of the big things that TikTok has kind of completely cracked is, is the idea of like the anti-social social graph in the sense that like, what's more interesting is actually um, what are the people that you, what are the, the people that you don't know in the world? Like, what are they doing? Like what, you know, how are they going about things? Um, how are they um, creating, like what content are they creating? Um, and I think like that in itself is inherently probably more interesting than what your friends are doing. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, at least in the context of um, having content that is entertaining, um, like I think, you know, TikTok has really nailed that, that side of things where, you know, this is like the global talent show happening 24 um, seven. And, you know, actually like priming an experience around um, people you don't know, as opposed to people you do know, just means that like the pool of potentially entertaining content is that much larger. Um, and also means that, you know, like random people in random corners of the world are being given that chance to like be, you know, ex be discovered. Um, and in the context of like, um, you know, gatekeepers, when it comes to like accessibility and, and reach of like content creators, um, it's, it's a fascinating like dynamic. And even, you know, the fact that like one person, you know, it doesn't matter about, um, you know, with like the TikTok algorithm, um, every piece of content that you create is another like, you know, kind of um, it's another role of the like slot machine. You know, you pull down the lever and like this yeah. has an equal of, like, you know, getting visibility and discovered than the previous piece of content, irrespective of how, you know, uh, how many followers you have or how many people you know in the world. Um, so I think as, as, a, as a dynamic in terms of like entertain, entertainment, I think like, you know, TikTok and that ethos is extremely interesting. And, um, and, you know, whether, how that evolves in terms of like new form functions when we're not using mobile apps and maybe we're in like VR kind of headsets or whatever that kind of looks like. I think, I think, you know, uh, entertainment has been transformed and will continue to be transformed um, as we, especially as we like democratize um, the ability to create new forms of media. So right now, like TikTok has democratized the ability to create video and perform video and, and perform it to a high degree. I suspect we'll see similar things in like music, um, you know, and other kind of bits of like um, creation that maybe aren't like tied to video. I think the other kind of side of the world, so that's going to be, I think like one kind of um, one continent in terms of like the, the new kind of like social world. Yeah. I think the second, of continent of social world is is definitely um you know the kind of sense of like this this how do we help you know small groups of people like intimately connect with each other and give them a space of like um feeling present with one another and um and you know sharing an activity at the same time together um i think like you know when, when we think about um even, so, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the app Honk. Have you have you heard about uh, Honk? I have heard, I've, I've heard of it. Yes, I've heard of it. I haven't gotten okay. around using it. No, no, nor, nor have I. But, you know, there, there's interesting. So, like, okay, so Honk is interesting and Clubhouse is interesting. Yeah. Uh, and they're interesting, like, and, you know, even, like, Discord and stuff, they're, they're all interesting because they're kind of creating a space of um, immediacy and presence with other people, um, like, instantaneously. Like, on Honk, it's me and you, being in the same space, 
sending messages and seeing what the the other person is kind of like typing and sending. And there, there's a sense of like, you know, the feeling of that is very different to the feeling of a WhatsApp message, which is, hey, I'm typing this thing, I'm sending it to you. And then whenever you get a chance to look at it, you know, you can like reply. And it's very kind of utility driven, but it's not very, it's not creating a space for like necessarily like intimacy and connection, you know, in, in a kind of emotive sense of the word. Um, and I think even on Clubhouse, for instance, you know, you open Clubhouse and you're immediately kind of like thrown into a live conversation with with other people around the world. Like there's there's a sense of, um, you know, there are people right now sharing a space together. And I think, you know, the, the future of kind of like social is definitely intimate. I think it's definitely driven by a sense of like shared presence. Um, and I think it's it's less about, um, you know, getting fame. It's less about um, global recognition and very much more about being heard. Like how does someone, um, I think, you know, an, an interesting kind of line of thought is, uh, I think like as a society, we have this kind of like the, the disease of the celebrity where we, there's that bit in our psyche where we all kind of like wish to be a celebrity in one sense of the word. Um, and, you know, when you kind of boil it down to like, why, like, what is it that we're actually chasing? Um, and when we're chasing like celebrity, I, I think we're kind of mistaking it for like a sense of being heard and a sense of like belonging. And, and actually like what we really want is whenever we put something out or whenever we say something or whenever we're thinking about something, one person saying to you, Hey, you know what? That was amazing. Or that changed my world. Or like, you are so right. Like that is in, that is like infinitely more valuable to us. Um, than like having a million views on a piece of content that we created and, but no like intimate kind of connection happening from that. Yeah. And I think this is where, you know, so for me, like things like Instagram, um, like Facebook, they are old world. Like they are very kind of like philosophically, old world and you know i'm sure like they'll, they'll survive they'll do something or another um maybe they'll like adapt to a new app whatever but like i think the new the kind of new interesting um kind of social experiences that will open up are very much going to be focused around these very small intimate groups and, and creating these shared spaces for people to to connect and really feel heard um because i think like you know um there are still, I mean, you know, we, we are still kind of living through a mental health crisis in, in society. And, you know, these social platforms have not necessarily solved those problems to a certain degree. Uh, if anything, they've maybe exacerbated certain aspects of those problems. Um, and I think we still kind of live in a world where a lot of people don't feel like they can be heard or they can express themselves honestly. Um, and I think like creating spaces for that to happen is, is, is going to be the, a really big, like, um, I think like, mission driver for those for those next wave of of social platforms that was a very long answer i i agree no i was i was enjoying through that i picked up quite a bit of uh conversation but uh but i i agree so i completely believe that uh, a few years from now while we'll be chasing or while we'll be battling uh terrorism and calamities and pandemics and whatnot i think we'll also be battling loneliness as uh as an as, as a widespread challenge globally uh, and uh, social media is possibly uh, the antidote to uh, you know uh, getting an answer or a solution to loneliness uh, I, I also agree that uh, the the form of content creation that uh, tiktok's into or that clubhouse is into uh, they thrive but i do think there's a lot of maturity that's still pending in each of these social platforms uh, 
the way obviously Clubhouse uh, is positioned today is again not for what it's meant for, right? So yeah. the way it started, and 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 I am on Clubhouse, but I don't feel connected. Uh, I do see yeah. chat rooms. I do try and get myself involved in conversations, but you're not feeling connected because everyone's trying to place their point very very vocally. So there needs to be a a, a certain level of maturity that will come in, but 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 it's it's headed in the right direction, and I and I 100% agree that platforms like Instagram and Facebook uh, would fade out uh, to a certain degree because people will start to realize that uh, that's not a lifestyle. Uh, I'm, the lifestyle I'm chasing is not supposed to be Instagrammable. It's supposed to yeah. be a lot more impact driven. I like that a lot, and I I, I totally agree. I think like. Um, we we've kind of lived through, you know, we're still in the early stages of like, um, you know, smartphones, social media, um, yeah. being always online. Um, and I think like as a, as a, as a species, we're still figuring out like, um, you know, what is it that we're, that we're doing? What's it? Uh, sorry, that's my mom walking in. No um, problem. <laughs> um, one sec. closing the door. The question was around. Sorry, the point was around uh, maturity. Okay, it's like so, social um, cycles. Yeah, so I think like you know, as, as a species, we're still at the very early stages of um, of you know being always online, um, being connected to social media, having a smartphone that we carry around us, and I think like you know we as a society, we've always done things that are bad for us because we don't necessarily fully understand its impact. You know, like smoking, um, you know, yeah. eating fast food, you know, these things were like accepted kind of norms and ways of like, you know, interacting with the world. And suddenly as a technology, you know, they end up becoming a little bit more redundant, become a little bit more aware and conscious of, of, you know, what are we doing and what are our values? And does this, does this technology align with our values? Does it help us become the person we want to become? Um, and I think we're having, that that kind of global reckoning now with with these big um with these big platforms and and i suspect you know that will continue to be the continues to be the case and um it's 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 a really fascinating um time in the world that, that we're kind of living in yeah i agree i think relatable community building or interest-driven community building is happening in bits and pieces uh, across globally people are starting starting to recognize and uh, uh, start aligning themselves in some of these groups uh, online. They're trying to discover more and more, and 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 there's a that, that's a huge space uh, that will uh, mature in the in the coming years for sure. Uh, so uh, what is so I'm gonna I'm gonna dive out of Haiku Jam for a moment now, and uh, and I want to talk about the five thousand plus subscriber base that uh, the Payton Drop has. Uh, a lot of people have in my opinion, undermined the potential of newsletters. I strongly believe that they have a huge value to play in creating a sense of, uh, uh, not community building, but in, in terms of how people perceive content creation today. That's one of those fading, dying forms of content, but uh, a lot of people have also kept it alive. Uh, and while we're bombarded with newsletters because they're filled with ads, there is there is enough worth that you can find in bits and pieces around. What's been the inspiration for Patent Drop and what is it all about? Yeah, okay. So um, so Patent Drop is basically a newsletter I started in September last year. And what it does wow. is it, summarize, <laughs> it summarizes um, three 
patents from big tech companies every week. Um, so, um, you know, and it's at the very, very beginning stage of, of, um, so it's not a patent that has been like granted, but it's a patent application. Um, so it's like, okay, Google, or let's say like Snapchat are uh, patenting, um, the ability to have, um, their Bitmoji process be tied to like real brand retailers who can then like deliver clothes to like real world clothes to be shown on like Bitmoji avatars. Um, so like that's something which they've patented. It's not necessarily been granted, but it's like at the very beginning process of, of, you know, having something which could become a patent. Um, and the whole kind of the whole process of doing it, um, the purpose of the newsletter is really to, to get in, in terms of what are these big tech companies thinking about in terms of what they're building and what's coming next before anyone else kind of around the world knows about it. And, you know, that's really the, it's, it's kind of like trying to look for those glimmers of what the future looks like um, before, you know, the future is given to us. And I think like what, one of the kind of big inspirations is, um, you know, when like, Okay, so for instance, um, Amazon came out with this this um, this scanner, this like palm scanner for entering like um, for having it like supermarket checkouts and and things like that to enable like faster kind of payment processing. Um, and you know, Pace and Drop actually discovered that like a few weeks before the media kind of started writing about it. Um, and what what's interesting is that I think like when technology kind of lands on our door, like and it's fully kind of you know, polished form. Um, there's then usually that conversation, right? Like, okay, this, you know, what is this good for society? It's not good for society. And I think one of the innovations for, for paid and drop was why don't we have that conversation like earlier on, like, let's bring that kind of public conversation to, to these ideas that are much kind of earlier phase. So often like when I'm talking about these, um, these kind of like patents, um, I'm obviously a kind of informing the world about you know what these big tech companies are thinking about, but I'm also kind of inform. I'm also kind of like steering the conversations around like you know what does this mean for you know privacy for you know ethics? Um, what does this mean for like surveillance? You know all of those kinds of things, um, and and just essentially like starting that conversation from a from an earlier point. So um, it was yeah that that was essentially the kind of inspiration behind it. Is there is there a secret sauce to how you discovered these? companies that you want to spell out or is that something that's also patented uh, no 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 that, there there is no secret source at all um so what happens is um the patent data so basically the u.s patent database is is a is a database that is publicly um accessible um it, it's a terrible piece of software it's it's horrendous in terms of like design and, and actually being usable but it's there and, and 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 visible for everyone to use so basically what i did is um i you know kind of went through the interface um and i was like hey you know there's really interesting things here it's just terrible to use um so what i did is I essentially just kind of like set up a scrape to you know every week like these are the companies i'm interested in like just pull the new patents that from these companies kind of every week and then what i'll do is i'll kind of look through um and just see okay what are the three of the most interesting ones here and and just kind of quickly get a sense of like what looks interesting what doesn't look interesting and then just write about those and and, and also kind of open up um you know new patents generally from these big tech companies for anyone to kind of look at in a way that's a little bit more easy and and user-friendly than what the patent database do um but just generally i think like you know the real the real kind of like learning from this process has been you know information arbitrage is like a very interesting and important like 
um, kind of topic when it comes to just generally like any kind of like media business or, or any to- type of like, you know, any sense of like, why is curation important? Like, how do you, how do you just kind of bring the the most interesting and most important things to a person um, without them having to do the work to like yeah. discover it? You know, that that's kind of probably been the secret source in terms of why um, this, this product works. But in terms of, you know, technology and, and, uh, and anything else. Yeah. It's just in, like anyone could have started it. Like literally anyone could have started it. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think it's interesting because uh, you've, you've gotten a huge subscriber base now. So all of them are extremely excited and interested in what's happening in the tech, tech world and where are things headed. Uh, and I think that sets as a great platform to try and test a lot of, uh, uh, hypothesis on uh, what will work and what will not. So is is that also something that uh, that's on your mind uh, when you try and build an audience set in a particular category? Uh, sorry, could you repeat that last bit? The the line just kind of uh, froze, yeah. So I'm saying, uh, you know, with, with a subscriber base that's so large and very inclined to try and understand what's happening in the tech world, uh, you now got you've now got a bunch of people who you can try and test a lot of things with, whether it's concepts, research, hypothesis. Is that something that you try and do, or is that something that's that you'd like to do? Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a really uh, astute point, and it's it's something I'm thinking a lot about, and I've done in fact. Um, so uh, you know, you know, for like, instance, like, like one one small poll, and what do you think about this right at the end, and and you've got five thousand very relevant people talking about it. Yeah. So I, I've done things uh, on a smaller scale. So for instance, um, you know, there have been some products that I've been working on, like small side projects that I've been working on. And then what I've been doing is like, I'll feed it into the newsletter and, and basically, you know, there's this now distribution channel for like, you know, it's actually like 6.6 thousand people now. Wow. Um, it, it's, it's like, uh, cool. You know, I, I, you know, people who are, you know, innovators thinking about the future, um, actively like impacting the future, um, who just become this distribution channel for like, okay, cool. Like I've got this new product I'm thinking about. I'd love to like have people test it. So like, you know, I, I was just doing that, um, yesterday in fact, and, you know, kind of had like 30, 40, 50 people, you know, from all different types of big companies, um, just like you, you know, testing out products that I'm building. Um, so it becomes this really interesting, like, personal flywheel where, um, you know, like things that I'm thinking about uh, or interested in can begin to be like fed into the newsletter. And this newsletter becomes a great distribution channel for just like getting in front of, of a very highly engaged, high kind of like um, impact audience of people who, who are actually like looking for these things because yeah, you, you know, you're, you're totally right. Like, you know, the interesting thing here isn't necessarily the patents. Like people don't really care about patents in yeah. the sense of like, you know, they, they were desperately looking for patents and, and here it is. Um, what people, you know, the, the, the thread of like the DNA, again, like going back to community, right? Like what is, what is the, what is the value of like, um, that ties these subscribers together? And the value is like people who are curious about the future and like patents are one like subset of what the future brings, but like, you know, there are a lot of other aspects to what the future is that could be, pro- you know, new products coming up that could be, um, you know, anything that just aligns with um, the future and making that happen sooner, like that is an immediate like fit for that community. So I've been thinking a lot about like, just from a, you know, even from like my personal lens, like how do I bridge those two worlds together? Because I'm thinking about building something for the future now. And I've also got this community of people who are actively 
interested and impacting the future. So for me, those two things like come together uh, extremely well. Yeah, no, I agree. So I'm, I'm right now in a phase where I'm trying to, I'm, I'm researching a lot of newsletters and I feel that newsletters, as much as they are uh, one-sided pieces of communication, there's a lot of engagement that you can imbibe within them. And it's just that one question sparks off conversations and then you've got a micro community out of it uh, that you can start mm-hmm. conversing with out there. And, and like you said, right, then just putting them on, say, platforms like Discord. Uh, a lot of those things uh, happen through newsletters and which is why I feel that the relevancy of them will start to surface back because uh, with great content, you'd once again see them rising uh, in the coming months. So uh, very, very great job at uh, at the subscriber base that you have. It's not easy to pull one through. And uh, if you've done this in the past four months, three and a half, four months, it's it's massive. That's massive. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, it's been very lucky, random, um, not expecting it, but it's uh, it's probably one of the most interesting things I've ended up doing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 funny. <laughs> awesome. So uh, we're getting into the section of this conversation wherein uh, just just very few quick questions on what is your take on a few of these things, and uh, then we kind of into a wrap up. So, uh, are you are you more of a of a podcast person, or are you more of a paperback guy? Ooh, um, I I want to be more of a paperback guy, but I'm currently more of a podcast person. <laughs> and, and and which is your top podcast, uh, or a couple of them that you're listening to right now? Okay, so um, my favorite podcasts are um, so I listen to um, Five Thirty Eight which is uh, Nate Silver's podcast. And that was really useful for like the whole U S election coverage. And uh, I just generally love um, the combination of like data with, um, with political commentary. Uh, Again, like I'm someone who's extremely interested in in politics generally. And, and that, that's kind of like one of those five thirty eight gives a good fix for that. Um, In terms of like, um, business entrepreneurship. I really like um, Sean Puri's and Sam Parr's my first million podcast. Um, where basically it's these two entrepreneurs who just talk about ideas and like business ideas, new ideas, ideas that are getting them excited. And it is like um, the, it's one of those podcasts that leaves you just thinking about 30 different potential like business ideas at the end of it. And, you know, that is like great. um, That's just a great way to like spin the wheel. Um, and then the last kind of thing I've been listening to a lot is some of these kind of new um, crypto podcasts. So like uh, Unchained and I think um, The Defiant um, do, a, do a podcast that's talking a lot about um, decentralized finance or what's going on in kind of Bitcoin and Ethereum. And that's kind of space that I've been um, actively kind of getting more and more interested in and getting deeper into. Um, so, you know, that's just been a great way of like learning and, and getting more aware of, of, of what's going on there. Amazing. If if uh, if there were three people you could invite to dinner and it's an open canvas, uh, who would that be? Oh my god! Um, uh... This is why this is why I have most people struggle because they have so many options, but they want to narrow it down to three, and it gets so challenging. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got I've got kind of possibly some unconventional basic uh, things and, okay. and people. So okay, so, so one person, one person I definitely want to have this conversation with is is Kanye West. Um, wow. So, 
he's someone I definitely want to have on the dining table. Um, and just because uh, I think that is a conversation that could go on for like 12 hours and it would be extremely random and divergent. Um, but I think that's kind of like, that's the best type of conversations I like. I don't like conversations that are linear or I, I very much like, I like when I'm speaking to someone, um, being, I like the process of kind of seeing, you know, almost as if like you could see the, the particles of thought just kind of like colliding in their brain going in wayward directions. Like I very much, that to me is like the most kind of inspirational and more kind of like generative conversations that, that just kind of inspire new thoughts. Um, so, so I aligned with that. I think like Elon Musk would be extremely interesting. Um, for, for, some for, reason, you know, for some reason, so many people have spoken to Elon Musk has been on everyone's list, but interesting. Yeah, I can imagine. I can, I, and I, I, I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, I think uh, a few other people that I would be um, interested in and, and getting into conversation with. Um, one, um, yeah, we, I, we, I we just need one more. Just one more, if you want to zero down on. Okay, you know, some, someone I'd be very interested in is actually Rihanna, um, the 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 music the musician um, in conversation because I think. I'm very intrigued by, um, you know, obviously she's doing amazing things with like Fenty, um, her, her kind of beauty brand. And I'm really interested in, I think she's someone who's been like, has kind of reinvented the way that she does music and the way she positions herself. Um, like the world of culture has changed so much since she kind of came in the music scene. And she has, every time that reinvention has happened, she's been she's been at the forefront of it not necessarily leading it but she's been very early in terms of like spotting that trend and then like bringing the rest of the world to it and i think a that is just remarkable and i'm curious about how she sees that how she's done that the team that she brings herself with to like make that happen and then secondly i'm really interested in just the process of her thinking about her brand and her business and like translating that that kind of level of of celebrity um, to, you know, the world of business. And I, and I think like Fenty is this remarkably successful, um, you know, beauty brand, um, that in itself is like very kind of innovative when it comes to like branding community, um, just all of those kinds of things. So I think like, she's someone that I would definitely be interested in just like, yeah, having a conversation with around all of those things. Awesome. Uh, is there, is there one last piece or possibly the most outshining, advice that you'd like to give to to entrepreneurs uh, in business uh, trying to start up or, or or in the thick of things maybe um play and don't be scared of failure um those are probably the two things like play like all the time just play like don't think too much about it like just just kind of one anecdote is um um you know hiker jam was kind of born out of like a sense of play um, even the newsletter Payton drop was, um, you know, like after I kind of posted about it, I said to my girlfriend that I think I'm wasting my time. Like, I don't think this is like interesting. And, um, and I'm very much that person who will like do something first and then possibly think about like, Oh, should I have done that? Like maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, so I kind of like posted about it and, and then I said to my girlfriend, like, I think I'm wasting my time. I think maybe like, this isn't a good thing to do. Maybe this looks badly on me. Like, maybe this looks like, like, what am I doing with my life? Like, do will people look at this and think like, is this person completely off the, like off the rails? Um, 
but you know it went it like it started going viral on twitter people were like posting about it um and you know it's really only by like just i think like the barrier of thought uh, like reducing that when it comes to like acting, I think is a really like interesting thing because it's kind of counterintuitive in the sense that, you know, uh, a lot of the time we're told to like think very intentionally about what we do and be really strategic about this and that. And I think actually like the beauty of the internet is people's attention spans are so short um, that actually like, you know, and there's a big delete button. So like if, <laughs> you know, the, the, those are kind of like the perfect mechanics or just experimenting like crazy. And the thing is like the more shots you send, like one of them, like one of them will become like interesting. And, and you need uh, that one to work out. Exactly. You need that one to work out. And, um, and I think like if I were to have in, if I were to have been rational and thought about pattern drop and, and like, um, you know, and just kind of sat on it, um, I wouldn't have done it. Um, but instead like everything was literally done in like, as soon as I had, as soon as I was able to kind of go through the patent database before I even like started writing a script to like scrape it, I was like, huh, I'm interested in doing this, but anyone else be interested in it? And then I was like, cool. Um, then I literally just like in probably five minutes came up with a name and a, a logo for it. Again, just random. I didn't like think too much about it, but actually yeah, all like of those crude just getting onto execution and not thinking too much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But like on the back of that, I've actually like landed on like a name that is like quite memorable and, you know, branding that has actually like stuck throughout. And yeah, I think like that process of, you know, as an entrepreneur, like, um, you know, the two big things, like just not thinking about not fearing like failure. Cause I think that's one big thing that I also had to like get across when I made the transition from like investment banking to like a poetry start startup was like, Oh God, what will people think of me? Um, and really like having to kind of work through, um, that, that like, um, you know, that, that unhealthy like way of thinking, I think like it, it it's not conducive to actually like doing interesting things. So, you know, discard that as soon as you can and then just like playing and experimenting um, because that is the best way to like land on something super interesting. Amazing. Uh, Neer, I think this is, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Uh, it, we, we've gone from entrepreneurship, investment banking, uh, through social media, Haiku Jam, uh, to Rihanna. I think uh, the, the, the spectrum was, was so wide that there'd be so many people who'd want to get their hands onto this. But uh, a great one. Uh, I'm glad we did this. And thank you so much again for being on Design Grid. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thank <laughs> you.